All right. Hey, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and get to Mark chapter 5. If you need a Bible, stick your hand up in the air. Just leave it up till somebody gets to you. Mark chapter 5. Mark 5, starting in verse 1. Keep your hand up in the air until somebody gets to you. Uh, first announcement, uh, let me introduce you to somebody. This right here is not, that's Noah. That's uh, my newest little son. So there he is. Uh, he's super cute. He looks like a baby, just like every other baby, you know, like uh, squishy and kind of reddish. Anyway, he's great. So he's a month old. How weird is that? He's over a month old. That's crazy to think about. But hopefully you'll get to meet him in person soon. Uh, But there he is. Wanted you to see a picture of him. Uh, A couple of announcements. First is this. Next Wednesday, don't come here. Go eat somewhere, but don't come here because it's Thanksgiving break. So we uh, we aren't gonna have midweek. So go and eat too much food. Eat too much food. Have fun with your families. If you don't like your families, well, at least like the food that your family fixes. That's, uh, that's important. So no midweek next week. Uh, second thing is this. We, uh, believe this or not, we have a podcast. So these sermons from Allie or Patrick or myself, they are in the World Wide Web. So if you miss a Wednesday and you're like, I actually wanted to listen to that, you can go on iTunes and you can uh, subscribe to our podcast and you can listen to it. Uh, we do our best. And by we, I mean people that are way better technology than me. Try to upload those sermons uh, fairly rapidly um, in light of what we're doing here. So you can check that out on iTunes. You can go look up Bay Area students. You should find us. You'll see the logo. Last thing is this. If you have not signed up for Collide, what is the matter with you? Go and sign up for Collide. Collide registration is open. Barry.church slash Collide. Listen, you only have two and a half weeks until early registration closes. So if you, if you register before December 2nd, you get a gift. You get an early registration gift. It's free. It's like you get this, and if somebody registers on the 3rd, you'll have the gift, and they won't. So make sure that you register before the 2nd. If you register after the 2nd, you can still come to Collide, which is still the greatest thing on the planet that we do, but you won't get the early registration gift. So make sure that you go and do that, barrier.church slash Collide. Are you asking me what the gift is? That's fine. They look like shirts. You'll see one day. Uh, yeah, so make sure that you sign up. I'm serious about this. It's, it's literally the best thing that we do. It is my favorite thing that we do. So if you don't know what it is, just find somebody that you know in here and ask them what it is. They will know. And if they don't know somebody that knows, then, well, I don't know what's wrong with them. So make sure that you sign up for Collide. It's so, so great. Awesome. Last week, last week, we began this series called We Don't Talk About That. We don't talk about that. And here's what we are trying to do. We are actually trying to talk about things that aren't typically talked about in church or Christian circles. Because here's what's happened. When, the th- when those things aren't talked about, specifically in the church, specifically in Christian circles, people that deal with those issues end up thinking things like this. If people that are followers of God don't talk about those things, then what must God think if I deal with that issue? In the silence... They fill in the blanks, and when they fill in the blanks, it leads to chaos. And so for so long, it's been we don't talk about that, but what we want to do is say, let's talk about that, and really let's answer the question, what does God have to say about this, or how does God respond to people who deal with these issues? And so last week, we talked about issues of sexuality, people that carry sexual baggage because of mistakes that they've made, ways that they've identified themselves, or whatever, and how Jesus interacts with those kinds of people. And this week, we'll step into this issue. We'll, we'll step into this issue of mental health, issues of mental illness. Now, here's the deal. 
Uh, many of you think in your brains in this moment, that's not my problem, therefore I don't have to listen to this. But here's the deal. Either you or somebody you know deals with a mental health issue. Such that the stats say it like this. 20% of youth ages 13 to 18, that's you. 20% of youth ages 13 to 18 live with a mental health condition. That's one out of every five deal with some kind of mental health condition. Now, so let's kind of define the terms here. When we think mental health, you don't have to think bipolar, schizophrenic, though that's, that's right, and that's, that's certainly a part of it. But generally, we go to extremes, right? Like, oh, these people have seven personalities. That's a mental health issue. It is a mental health issue, but that's not the only one, right? Depression, anxiety, these are mental health issues. A desire for self-harm, on and on and on it goes. These are mental health issues, right? Just because you're not clinically diagnosed by a doctor doesn't mean that you may or may not have a mental health issue or they may or may not have a mental health issue. It is rampant. It is all in our culture. It's closer to you than you even think. 10% of youth, one out of 10, have a behavior or conduct disorder. 8% of youth have an anxiety disorder. Suicide is the third leading cause of death in youth ages 10 to 24. So all this to say, this is closer to you than you think. If it's not you, it's someone you know. And so as someone who says that they follow Jesus, we ought to be informed about how to respond to these people. And for that matter, we ought to be informed and to understand how does God respond to these people? People that deal with issues of mental health. And so we're going to read Mark chapter 5. Now here, let, give, let me give you this on the front side of the reading. This guy has mental health issues because he's possessed by multiple demons. You're going to see that when we read through this. Here's what I'm not saying. Listen to me. Here's what I'm not saying. I am not saying that everybody who has a mental health issue is possessed by a demon, all right? So don't go from here and be like, mom, guess what? If you have a mental health issue, you probably have a demon. False, false. Not what I said. It's this guy's issue, but it's not everyone's, right? What we are gaining from this is looking to see how Jesus interacts with this guy and what that means for us and people that we know, all right? So Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read through verse 20. It's a good chunk of scripture, so hang with me. Mark chapter 5, 1 through 20. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down after him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. 
Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they said they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirit came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about two thousand, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, and one that had had the legion sitting there clothed in, in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had been seen it and those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him, and he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and begged to pro- and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. So the point of what we're trying to do tonight is just to look at this text and observe how does Jesus interact with this guy, this guy that does have some kind of mental health issue, certainly caused by the possession of demons. I get that, but nonetheless, a mental health issue. So we can grab some principles, we can grab some truths for how Jesus interacts with this guy so that we can understand how to interact with with those that we know that have mental health issues, or we can understand, if we have a mental health issue, how Jesus interacts with us, because that's important. But let's maybe answer this question first. What are ways that we might approach this poorly? Maybe what are ways that we approach those with mental health issues poorly? Well, let's look at verse 3. He lived, this is the demon-possessed guy, he lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. So, how people have dealt with this guy poorly is they've avoided him, they've isolated him. I understand, he is out there, I get it, but they have avoided him, they isolate him. Look, Bible's over here, I get it, but can you just imagine what the families tell their kids? Like, hey, don't go, like, I know you're going to go ride your bike, don't ride by the tombs. Because the crazy guy's over there. Don't go, no. Like you hear him screaming in the middle of the night. Don't go there. We avoid him. We isolate him. And I understand this is a unique situation, but maybe for some of you who deal with a mental health issue, that's how you feel. You feel avoided. You feel isolated. And maybe those of us who know people who have issues, we avoid them and we isolate them. And really we do that out of ignorance. Because we don't know what to do. You're not doing it because you're mean. You're doing it because you just don't know how to react. You don't know how to respond. So you just avoid. But imagine what it's like to be that person, the person that is avoided, the person that is isolated. And if you're a follower of Jesus and other followers of Jesus avoid you and isolate you, what does that make you think about what God thinks about you? Maybe God avoids me. Maybe God wants me to be isolated. That would be a poor way to react to those who deal with mental health issues. The second thing that we can see that's a poor way to approach this, we see in verse 4. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, verse 4. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he, but he wrenched the chains apart and broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. I don't know where you live, but shackles and chains are not for humans. And yet this is where this guy finds himself, often bound with shackles and chains. 
I know, it's a security measure at this point, probably. But think about how dehumanizing that is. He's not a dog. He's not a wild animal. He's a man who's shackled and chained. So he gets dehumanized. Maybe he doesn't have as, like, as much value as everybody else because he's, man, he's crazy. Maybe that's the stigma that he gets. That's the crazy guy. Can you imagine the names that the community had for that guy? I, it's not in the Bible, so I don't know, but I can just imagine. What would it be? And this is the stigma that we give to a lot of people who have mental health issues. You know, maybe you're not calling them names. Maybe you're not even directly stating things about them, but maybe you're just like, hey, we we don't talk to her because she's emotionally fragile. Giving her a stigma. We don't talk to him because he's got anger issues. You've given them a stigma. Now, I'm not saying those things aren't legitimate issues. That's fine. It doesn't mean we should dehumanize them doesn't mean that we should give him a stigma. Oh, that guy has anger issues. Oh, she's emotionally fragile. Oh, that guy is crazy. Oh, that guy, he can't whatever because he can't think. He doesn't whatever. I mean, you fill in the blank. She can't handle pressure. He can't get words out because his brain, something is disconnected from his brain to his mouth and he stutters or what? Ever it might be, the, the list of mental health issues is long. We ought not be people who dehumanize and give them a stigma. Making them think, is that what God does? Maybe God thinks I'm less valuable. Maybe God gives me a, a stigma. Maybe, maybe, maybe this struggle, maybe this is how they think, maybe this struggle is just who I am. That's not true. That's not true. Let's look back at the scriptures. How does Jesus interact with this guy? Look at verse six. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him and crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. Jesus hops out the boat. This guy runs over to Jesus. And every other person I would imagine would be like, yo, Jesus, let's run. This guy's nuts. Jesus stays. I don't know why. Because he's Jesus, probably. But he stays. And he engages with the guy. He engages with a guy that nobody wants to engage with. So here's the first thing that we ought to understand about how Jesus responds to those with mental health issues. Jesus engages, he doesn't avoid. Jesus engages, he does not avoid. Everybody else avoided this guy. Everybody else stayed away. Stay away from the tombs, stay away from the tombs. The guy that screams and cuts himself is in the tombs. Jesus speaks to this guy. Oh, well, it's because Jesus is God, you know, like he has to do that. Jesus is a man, and he engages this guy. So, if you're in here, and you're somebody who deals with a mental health issue, Jesus engages you. He doesn't avoid you. Jesus steps toward you, and he wants to deal with whatever it is that you're dealing with. 
He wants to talk to you about whatever it is that you're dealing with. He doesn't avoid you. He doesn't dehumanize you. He doesn't give you a label. He steps toward you. Christians who know somebody with a mental health issue. If we're going to be people who represent Jesus, then we ought to be people who engage those who have mental health issues, not avoid them. Engage them. Speak to them like a human because they are. Jesus engages. He doesn't avoid. The second thing we find in verse 13. Let's read from verse 10. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. Verse 13. So he, came, so he gave them permission, and the unclean spirit came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned the sea. Jesus writes this guy's mind in this moment. So what do we understand from that? That Jesus is the healer of all brokenness, including mental health issues. Jesus is the healer of all brokenness, including mental health issues. Look, we we are quick to say as followers of Jesus, Jesus is the restorer of brokenness, that death will be no more, these pains that we feel will be no more. So why would it be any different with mental health? If you are dealing with a mental health issue, here's the truth. Jesus is the healer of that brokenness because here's the reality. The mental health issue that you face is a result of the brokenness of humanity. This is not the way it was supposed to be. Whether it is an issue that you have because of sin or because of a chemical imbalance or because of something else, it's a result of brokenness is Jesus is the one that's restoring that. So to look somewhere else for a solution, to look somewhere else in the spiritual realm to find solution is to look to the wrong place because Jesus is the one who restores your, the brokenness that you face. Now, he heals this guy. He writes his mind. That doesn't mean it's going to happen to you in this life. Jesus is the healer of brokenness. In this life, maybe, but for sure in the one to come. Here's the good news for you. If you you face a mental health issue, here's the good news for you. This is not as good as it gets. This is not as good as it gets. If you know somebody or you have a parent who deals with a mental health issue, this is not as good as it gets. This isn't the way that it's supposed to be. It will not be like this forever. Jesus is restoring all things. He is the one who is making all things new. So if you face this, or you know someone who faces this, or you walk with somebody day in and day out who faces this, this is not as good as it gets. Jesus is making all things new. He is the restorer of brokenness. Revelation 21, verse 1 through 5, says it like this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, write this down. These words are trustworthy and true. That day is coming. So look, if you face this, or you know somebody who faces this, that's the hope you hold on to. 
this is not as good as it gets. Jesus is the restorer of this brokenness. Last thing we see of how Jesus interacts with people who deal with mental health issues, we see in verse 19. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Verse 20, And he went away and began to proclaim the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. So the guy's in his right mind, and he's like, Yo, Jesus, can I go with you? If you made this different in me, can I go with you? That's a natural response, right? And Jesus is like, No, bro, you can't go with me. I need you to go back to your hometown, and I need you to tell everyone, I need you to tell everyone how much the Lord has done for you. And he goes back and and he does it. Everyone marvels. You can imagine that, right? Like the, the demon guy, like the guy who used to, like yesterday, that cat was cutting himself and screaming on the mountain, walks into town and everybody's like, oh my gosh. And then he's like, yeah, you, you got to hear about Jesus. And they're, they're like, I'm sorry. Aren't you the, like, you're the, you're the mountain guy, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. Jesus made me new. So here's the principle. Jesus uses imperfect people. So he wants to use you too. So if you're in here and you, th- and you have a mental health issue and you, like you, or you know somebody who does, they're not Jesus' B team. Jesus desires to use imperfect people. Listen, if you don't face a mental health issue and you're like, yeah, well, Jesus uses me. Jesus uses you and your brokenness. Why wouldn't he use them? just different so jesus desires to use you he's been using imperfect people the whole time he's not going to change that now he uses this guy i can't imagine what people thought as he walked in the towns but jesus uses him anyway so the question then is this how should we respond how should we respond to those with mental health issues first We'll deal with it like this. As one who struggles with a mental health issue, how should you respond? As one who, if you are in here and you face a mental health issue, you have one or you are dealing with it currently, here's the first thing. You need to tell someone. You need to be transparent. And you need to get the necessary help. For some of you, that's just being really transparent with a, with a brother or sister in Christ. Because maybe for some of you, it's not, it's not clinical, it's not, it's not chemical, it's not a biological issue. It's just that I'm prone to sadness. And I need somebody to remind me of the truth and the joy that I have in the gospel. That's fair. But you need to tell somebody that. You need to tell somebody that there are days that you don't feel like getting out of bed. You need to tell somebody that there are days where you just feel weighed down by anxiety. You feel like you can't function because you're just stressed out. You don't even have things to be stressed out about. You're just turned up to 10. You need to tell somebody that. Maybe for some of you, this is like a medical deal. Like you need to tell somebody so you need to get to a doctor. I don't know. I'm not one. I'm not a doctor. But there's no shame in saying, I I need some help. If you broke your leg, you wouldn't be like, well, I'm just going to figure this out. You would go to the doctor. This is no different. So tell somebody, be transparent about it. Don't be ashamed and get the necessary help. 
That's not lacking faith. That looks like faith. That looks like me saying, look, I've got this issue. God, I trust that you have given means. You have given means for me to be restored and however that needs to happen. Maybe that's through accountability because this is just a thing I need to be reminded of. And maybe that's through medicine. All of this is means that you have provided. So tell somebody. And I'm not, like, here's, here's the deal. I'm not trying to just stir you up to where, like, okay, when we respond, I want everyone to tell, like, their friend that I have depression. That's not the point. I'm not trying to convince you that you have a problem. I'm saying if that is the legitimate issue for you, tell somebody. Be transparent. Don't be ashamed. Trust that Jesus is the restorer for that kind of stuff. What else? If you're one who struggles with a mental health issue, you should tell someone, but you should also do this. You should embrace Jesus. You should embrace Jesus because he doesn't abandon you. He doesn't abandon you. You're not, you're not the toy that got shelved. He steps toward you. So embrace Jesus. He doesn't abandon you. He is your source of Hope, he is the one through his life and his death and his resurrection is bringing all things back to the way that they should be. He is the one who is making all things new. He is the one who is taking away the curse. He is the one who is restoring brokenness through his life, his death, and his resurrection. So trust in him. If you're in here and you're not a follower of Jesus and you deal with mental health, you ought to look to Jesus because there's no other place that you're going to find the restoration that you need. There is no other place that you're going to find hope in the midst of what you face. You won't find it apart from Jesus. You won't. So embrace Jesus. He doesn't abandon you. What about if we just know somebody? What if this is not our issue, but we know somebody who deals with mental health? What should we do? First thing is this. Treat him like a human. Treat him like a human. Genesis 127 says it like this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Because that person is a human, they bear the image of God and have instant value. So you ought to treat them like a human, like a friend. Just because they have some kind of issue doesn't mean they don't want friends. Doesn't mean they don't want somebody to love them, to care for them, to ask them questions. How was your weekend? What was going on? What did you do for, what do you like to do for fun? These people are humans. Interact with them like they are humans. They want a friend. Be a friend. What else? If you know somebody with mental health, bring others in to help. (coughs) Bring others in to help. Look, I know that you probably have friends that tell you things that you think in your brain, I have no idea how to deal with that. But you try to because you're trying to be a loyal friend. I appreciate that. It would be the most unwise thing on the planet for you to do to leave that between you and them. Yeah, but I'm trying to like, I'm trying to like be secretive. They told me not to tell anybody. It is the most unloving thing you could do to not bring in people who could help them more than you can. So if that's a parent, it's a parent. If it's a teacher, it's a teacher. I don't know. If you have a friend that that talks to you about self-harm or talks to you about thoughts of suicide or talks to you about depression or whatever, you need to tell somebody who can get them better help than you just giving them whatever advice it is that you have in your head. You need to get others in on that. It's not betrayal of your friendship. 
It's smart. And your friends might get mad at you. Hey, look, your friends might get mad. I can't believe you told somebody that I had this thought. You should turn back to them and say, I told somebody because I care too much about you to not. That looks like friendship. So bring others in to help. The last thing is this. If you know somebody who deals with a mental health issue, point them to Christ. He is their hope. Point them to Christ. He is their hope. Don't, don't point them anywhere else. Jesus is the hope they're looking for. They don't have hope. They don't have hope after they deal with this issue. They have hope in the midst of this issue. Because Jesus is the restorer of their brokenness. That's hopeful. He's the one who's fixing this. And they might ask a million questions. Why did Jesus let this happen? Why is God doing this to me? And the answer to that that you need to give is, I have no idea. Here's what I know. If we turn our back on him, we're turning our back on the very one who is making this different. So let's not get angry and turn away. Let's just be vulnerable and turn and say, I have no idea why you did this. And to be fair, at this point, it doesn't matter. Here's what I know. You're restoring this. You're making this new. So I'm following you. I'm trusting you. Point them to Jesus. He's the only hope that they have. He's the only hope that they have. Mental health stuff is complicated. It's complicated because we don't know a lot about it. Look, nobody's asking you to be a doctor. Nobody's asking you to be a counselor. They're asking you to be a friend. They're asking you to be a follower of Jesus who points to Christ. Let's act like Jesus and approach those who deal with issues like this and approach them and see that they have value and see that they're worthy of love and trust that he is the restorer of this brokenness.